Those who have survived the unthinkable and unspeakable violence behind the closed doors of their own homes are speaking out now more than ever. This podcast is dedicated to sharing their stories and the journeys of people who've transformed their lives from surviving into thriving. Join me and my guests as we dive into what healing from trauma really looks like. Hear heartwarming and awe-inspiring stories of overcoming the odds. Welcome to the Flow Rising Podcast. The show contains adult topics and often triggering stories. Audience discretion is advised. Before we get started, please make sure you subscribe to the channel, then like and share your favorite videos. Thanks for the support. Hello, everyone, and welcome to my dogs are going to bark because we start. Hang on. We'll restart. I'll cut this out. Girls, sure. get down. <laughs> really? Well, you never bark. Ran through the room. Come on. Down. All right. Yeah. And take two. I'll just edit this part out. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Flow Rising, the podcast where we talk about the journey of healing after trauma, abuse, and the life that is amazing and wonderful that we are living today. Today, I'm excited to be joined by my guest, Mariah. Welcome to the show, Mariah. Thank you for joining me today. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Yes, excited to have you. As always, we are going to start the show with where you are. So I love hearing the amazing things that my guests are up to and the kinds of things that um, you're doing to serve this world. So share with us a bit about you, your business, the people you serve, and the kind of work that you're doing in the world today. Yeah, I'll try to be as brief as possible. Like there's so many layers to it. Cause like to me, like healing is about like re-ecologizing. So it's like, oh, there's this and there's this and there's this and yeah. (laughs) So I am a holistic practitioner. I do a bunch of different modalities that like are all really focused on like, how do we like get uh, liberation through trusting our innate healing capacities and you know, our capacity for connection and collaboration, you know, whether it's with like, you know, being able to listen to our bodies or being able to sort through like our inner conflicts or like ask questions in relationship or like, you know, have a relationship with nature and spirit that, you know, like, I I feel like we're very forcibly disconnected from in dominant culture, um, you know, which serves the perpetuation of white supremacy, patriarchy, all the things. Yes. I um, agree. Yeah. And so, and I primarily, and, and yeah, I work with, I work with a lot of neurodivergent folks, you know, and, you know, both before and after I realized I was autistic, um, you know, looking back, it's like, oh, my client base has always been neurodivergent, you know, like there's a certain <laughs> way of like, there's just a certain kind of like, complexity and relationality and like you know I think I also work with a lot of clients who just the world is just not designed for them you know whether it's like people who are immigrants or like people who like you know just have a cultural background or some other kind of background where like you know the institutions of care are not don't support them you know, and, you know, or like maybe they diverge in some way and like, they just don't fit in with compliance culture. And, um, you know, I work with a lot of other practitioners who are wanting to sort of have more equity lenses than the trainings that they had gave them. Um, I work with a lot of folks who are very spiritually oriented. Like I have a lot of clients who come to me and they're like, I was killed for being a witch. 
I know I'm a witch. I'm terrified of it. You know, and that's kind of where we start, you know? Yeah. Um, but like, to me, it's like sort of all the different layers of relationship have the same kind of, it's the same, it, it's, it's like, it's the same pathways just on sort of like different layers of self. And so like, it's like, okay, if you can listen to your foot and what your foot's trying to tell you, like you can probably also listen to spirit beings and what they're trying to tell you. And you can also like look at sociopolitical systems and like how they're affecting, you know, your experience and, and, you know, can we befriend our sense of power? And cause I think that's a lot of, there's so much estrangement from power, you know, whether somebody is disempowered or whether they're being abusive, it's like, it's like, that's a lot of the root of it. Like really embodied power is peaceful and balanced and mm -hmm. joyful, you know, yeah. I love and we've, that. we've been taught to be afraid of ourselves and we have, yeah. yeah. I think that yeah. that's a lot where that healing journey starts for many of us who, you know, myself and my audience and yeah. a lot of my guests, that it starts with that moment of going, oh, like for me, it was, oh, I can change. And that seems now I look back five years later and go, gosh, that seems so small, but it really was just that, oh, wait, no, I have the power of change. Like that connection to self, like you said, that relationship connection starts with me. Mm -hmm. but we are so disconnected from that society or abuse or, you know, that, that type of path that we travel to get where we are here. You know, and I love how you talk about a lot of your clients are neurodivergent or the world just didn't fit for them. I think right. that, that resonated <laughs> with me a lot that it's just kind of right. how I've always felt. Yeah. And like, I think a lot of times, you know, I, one of the reasons why I sort of like, explain it in parts is like, I think a lot of, you know, like models of like autism in particular, um, are very much based on, you know, cis white young men or boys, mm -hmm. you know? And so like anybody who like the further you are from that, like the more likely you're, you're going to be missed or labeled as something else. And, you know, and also like, I think it's one of the reasons I think a lot of times when people think about autism, they think about like unfiltered white patriarchy. And it's like, well, if you were actually looking at the whole population of autistic people, <laughs> you'd have a different understanding of like the different elements of what mm -hmm. it is, you know, and not just like sort of like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's interesting. I was reading an article recently that was talking, um, so a young man, he was, he's in his late, maybe late twenties or something. He's a, a, a black man who is going to medical school and realized every single medical textbook is written for white people. And so he started rewriting textbooks just for things like skin disease, how, how diseases show right, up right. on a different color skin, like you're talking about, or how uh, just the genetics is a little bit different, not enough different, but because it just shows up different in just those, that something so simple and everyone's like, Oh, it's groundbreaking. It's mind blowing. And it's the same for autistic, you know, and for ADHD, right. even though I'm white, I'm a girl. ADHD diagnosis is, was something that happened for boys when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. Girls weren't ADHD. What, what are you talking about? You, you, you have right, trouble right. focusing, but that's because you're lazy or that's because you're, you know, you're not 
or you're trying to be too smart and you're not just focusing on being pretty and being fun. Seriously, that's like things right, that right, I was right. told. Yeah, I mean, I, I managed to get diagnosed with ADHD in college, but like that was really only because I had undiagnosed Lyme disease. And like, so all of like the ways that I structured my life to manage the ADHD, like were like, I didn't have as much energy as I used to have, you know, so like those, yeah. then those patterns were showing more. You know, when I was a kid, I used to talk about being pathologically fine, you know, like. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. I've never heard it that way, but yes. I, I had yes. the trauma patterns where like I was not noticed, you know, and looking <laughs> back, it's like, to some degree, it's like, how did that happen? And the other hand, it's like, of course it happened, you know? Yep. Yeah. No, I, I see it too, that I, I talk a lot about, I've talked about on the show and it's, it's funny. I don't know what your reaction to this will be, but I grew up in white middle-class America of the eighties. Okay. And everything that entails, everything was perfect. Everything was fine. We were, you know, we went to church, very, very, very strict right-wing church that was very abusive towards people like me. But it was, you know, that cookie cutter, picture perfect, um, all American lifestyle. But behind closed doors, I mean, I can't think of a single, there are, I mean, all of our parents are still married, but everybody that I knew back then is like, oh yeah, I, I had an abusive childhood. You did? Why didn't we talk about that? Mm -hmm. Oh, we were told not to. We were, we were told that it was normal to be unseen, unheard, be seen and not heard. Don't speak. You're the, you know, the adults are talking now, all of that stuff. And in, and then a while enduring actual emotional and physical abuse, but never talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Same with, same with, I lived in, I grew up in a small community and, you know, a lot of stuff was hidden, you know, and a lot of us, mm -hmm. we didn't, you know, my, my best friend from childhood died when she was 38, you know, wow. from, I think effects of, you know, unprocessed trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, we didn't talk about it until the year before she died, oh. you know, and like we were best friends, you know? Yeah. Well, and that's, um, that's that thing, you know, you talk about how, how trauma affects body, you know, and I know that's yeah. something that you, you, I, you, I remember us having that conversation, but like you also talk to your clients a lot about that. It's it, that, like we said, relationship with self, relationship with spirit, relationship with nature. We're not just a mind, right? Navigating this thing, there it's all connected to each other, and the body right. stores all of it. And that's where I think personally, and actually a lot of guests and even my own doctor agrees that that's where a lot of disease comes from. Is right. that we have this trauma just stored in us that we're not actually dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, yeah, I have a lot of clients who start out with sort of like a lot of estrangement from their bodies and, you know, it's, there's so many different directions. I'm like, which thread should I go? <laughs> it's true. You know, and I think like, um, I think just like bit by bit, like the more we have experiences of, um, you know, being able to land somewhere and being able to connect and like, you know, and like, particularly for like, for neurodivergent clients, like I had this big shift, like I was about 19, I think I was in college. I was like, and I was, I was, I went, I, I grew up rural and I was living in, I went to a college in a city. And so like, 
it I couldn't handle the sensory experience of that, like the the noise, the chemicals, the the cars, the like all the stuff, right? And like, and I was also getting sick at that point, you know, not diagnosed. And like, I realized I wasn't my body. And like, I pulled myself into my body and I was like, holy crap, it's gross here. And I was like, back out. And then like, it was, it was some years later, I sort of had this realization, like, it's not this binary thing of like, I have to like shoehorn into my body or pop out of it. It's like, my body can be a locus and an interface. And it's like, my body is like within like all of my beingness, you know, and there's other layers of me and like our bodies are an interface for all those layers, you Mm -hmm. know? And like, to me, that's a, you know, like I think we're sort of schooled with a lot of like, it's this or it's this, you know, it's, it's like body or it's spirit or it's, you know, it's structure or it's individual. And it's like, all these things are very like much mosaic together. And, um, you know, and, and to me, like the joy of that is like, just find some opening, you know, like some portal to healing and it's going to open you up to healing the other layers. Like maybe like your body doesn't feel available right now. Like, can you, can you think about like, you know, social systems, like, and can that bring you some relief and then, oh, you have some relief. Oh, okay. Like, is your body a little bit easier? You know, it's like, it's sort of like, you know, that's, that's one of the reasons why I think, you know, you had, you had that other guest on who was talking about the whole composite of different, um, what she was talking about, like body, mind, and soul, I think. Yeah. It was probably one of the ones who did the, the, the three-legged uh, stool where it's yeah, the, three, yeah. the body, yeah. the mind, and the spirit and how they're right. all, and I've had several guests do it, but it's that interconnected. But yeah, you say that and that that's exactly like I, I used to, and I don't have to anymore, which is great, but I used to draw a line, try and explain it. I'm like, okay, so draw a line right here. This part of me understands my trauma, knows my trauma, can speak intellectually to it, can be very disconnected and explain it. But the rest of me, it didn't happen or it's happening or like I, I was just very you know, haphazard. And it was interesting when you said it, that I had to connect to the social system of family, the DNA family, Mm -hmm. biological family, and recognize my trauma started in childhood. I didn't know that till I was 41 years old. Mm -hmm. I'm 42 now. So this is not that recent that, or not that far back that I just realized, oh, oh wait, it wasn't just an 18 year marriage. Like there was, there was all the things before that and when I started realizing that, then I could, like you said, you can feel the foot. So it was like, start with what can I feel? Mine was my hands. And I could start feeling buzzing in my hands when mm-hmm. I would think about it. And then it was just like, okay, I'm connected. Now, I was like, my dogs are playing, so they're going to go off. It's fine. That's um, fine. <laughs> but now it's like, oh, I realize I'm bigger than that. I realize I'm more than that. And that that deeper spiritual sense of connection that, I think that's what I've been seeking my whole life, but I didn't have it in the word family. It wasn't connected. There was so much disconnection there that I didn't realize, oh, that's what's missing. Oh, oh, I'm missing that. Right. And I always thought it was just because I didn't fit in with them. Well, I didn't. Mm -hmm. But that's because I was trying to understand that social system of family. Oh, you're, you're, your biology we're supposed to do the things and i just just like i don't want to anymore so i said I'm, I'm, 
Yeah, I'm curious, like, in in your healing process, like, does it feel like there's any doorways that's opened up for, like, your family or ancestors? You know, and I know, like, opening a doorway is not the same as somebody going through it, but... Oh yeah. No. And actually, so forgiveness. So I had this beautiful meditation. I do a lot of bath meditations because water is just my connection to nature and source. (laughs) If you get into astrology, I'm a pure water human. Um, (laughs) um, But so I was in a bath one day and I was really focusing on forgiveness. What does it mean to forgive? You know, for me, like you always hear that, oh, forgiveness is for you. And I'm like, what does that mean? And I was doing a lot of visuals and all of a sudden I saw this brick wall just kind of building in front of me, kind of like, te- you know, Tetris, there was a brick wall. And and then I, I would speak the word forgiveness and all of a sudden a doorway of light was created in this wall. On one side is me and on the other side is my biological family. Mm. And that, that forgiveness piece is the doorway. I forgive you not being healed. I forgive that your trauma created my trauma. I forgive that for generations of women, we weren't allowed to be open in our own sexuality. That was huge. Like, you know, that the women in my family had to follow the patterns that we, the women in my family didn't feel that they were fulfilled in their choice of careers. All of these traumas that, you know, and and the men that we chose were abusive to us. So we just passed that down and that doorway of forgiveness and finding that doorway, it's there. Like I can close my eyes, that door is there. And the only way it's going to open is on the other side. The handle's not on my side. The handle's on the other side where they also have to accept the forgiveness and then start the healing from their side so the door can open. Yeah. And it's it, it's really how I was like, there is a door. I'm not closed off, but that wall is the boundary of, I don't want to speak with you anymore. I don't want to participate in the family. Please stop because every time you reach out to me, it's abusive. It's harmful. It's hateful. And I don't, that's not where I'm at. And when, and that's what that wall is, is that boundary, but that, that door is that piece of, yeah, there's a passage and yes, it could be opened and I'm open to that door opening, but it's not mine to open. Yeah. I think like, it sort of reminds me, like, I, I think like, there's a lot of like, ancestor work that I've done like far, 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 far back to like, you know, Mm -hmm. back when we had peace in the body, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, and like one of the things they've shown me is like, it's like when you're really in touch with like the baseline of interconnection, like then you are free to like open and close any doors you want on like any patterns you want. And like, you know, and, and there's, you know, there's some ritual work that like, to me it's very effective of like you know like making an offering and you know explaining what patterns you're closing the door on you know it's mm-hmm. like i will not meet you in any in this pattern anymore like i am unequivocally closing this door like that doesn't mean that like that doesn't mean that you're creating a rupture you know i think so mm-hmm. often we we're used to relating to people in certain patterns and so like we were afraid that like, oh, if I step out of this pattern and I heal, then I'm going to lose the relationship. And and maybe mm-hmm. like, if that's the maybe. only connection in the relationship, and in that case, it's like, 
okay, but was that liberatory? Was that actually a relationship? If like you yep. healing breaks the relationship, right? But you know, if if we're coming from this place that like all I'm doing is closing doors on patterns, then there's mm-hmm. no rupture in the differentiation, you know? And maybe, maybe mm-hmm. you'll never see that person again, you know? And maybe it's somebody mm-hmm. you want no existential contact with ever, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's like that that feeling of like, I'm breaking something kind of goes away when you realize that there's this, it's like, okay, like I'm being fed by the universe. They're being fed by the universe. Like yep. I can trust my healing path. I can trust their healing path. And yep. we don't have to try to achieve that through entanglement, you know? Mm-hmm. No. And I think that's with my family where I've really kind of gotten yeah. to that place of they, you know, again, I don't personally see that they choose healing. That's okay. Like it's hard work. Like healing is, it's dark, it's hard, it's scary. It's all the things that society teaches us to shun. It's, it's, and so I don't need them. There was a time in my life where it's like, well, you've got to do the things. And I'm like, oh, I'm turning into them by going, you know, wagging the finger and being like, (laughs) you have to do the thing. I was like, oh, that's, that's turning healing into a toxic trait. And I was like, oh, wait. If you choose to do the healing, that's great. And I'm over here and you're over there. And again, like you said, it's that that universal connection, but we don't necessarily, maybe in this particular existence of lifetime, because I firmly believe that we all choose our biological family. We chose it before we came here. My parents were my parents for a reason. There's lessons that I am learning and understanding. And I'm also the person that came to heal all that generational trauma. That was me. Mm-hmm. I have other siblings, but they are following the same path of, repeating patterns and all of that. And that's their choices. Right. But that, that, and I think that that, again, for me, where forgiveness comes in and a lot is like, oh, and compassion, just like you're having a human experience. I'm having a human experience. And, and maybe, yeah, maybe there's just no, you know, or I think about my ex, like he's a human being that I'm like, you can, I can have great compassion for all the pain that was created for you and your own karma. But please never step into my existence again. <laughs> just, just stay away from me and our son because that is what needs to happen. Um, but yeah, I think, I think compassion and forgiveness and in my healing experience, um, you know, that, that I found that those places are where I I'm seeing, Oh, okay. Connection. There there's this interplay and interweave of energies and connections between the human existence and experiences, and that doesn't mean I have to actually have a physical in this lifetime experience connection with you for that to exist or for right. the healing to, like you said, go back all those generations. It, I can do that in my own space without physical contact with them or sharing that with them in a verbal way. They wouldn't understand it anyway right now. Right. Yeah. And sometimes there needs to be like a very like defined like separation mm-hmm. and order, like particularly like when there's been a lot of entanglement or you know, it's yeah. like just being able to separate, you know, like if there's been a lot of gaslighting. Um, yeah. But it's also like what you're saying sort of brings me to like trusting and healing and how like, I think a lot of times, like particularly people have been abused or like, you know, people have experienced depression or been taught to like, not take up space. It's like, Oh, what, like, what does my healing matter? Like, what does it really matter? And like, to me, it's like, we can't underestimate like 
what what our healing does share with the collective and like what we can model you know it's like we do so much modeling for each other you know and i think like our tenants our tendencies to heal are so strong that it's like we just need like one example and like mm-hmm. there's a recognition in our bodies of yeah. like oh yeah I want that you know and it's mm-hmm. like you know I think that like yeah so like to whatever degree that like we're willing to bottom line that like you know my existence matters and you know my liberation matters like somebody else is going to notice that you know <laughs> and <laughs> you yeah. know and and maybe maybe it will touch them maybe it won't you know I think healing very much depends on like I think as soon as we perceive that we have support to heal like we go there and sometimes the support is there and like we're not able to perceive it you know and sometimes sometimes we can also perceive it and it's not really there and then like we get another Mm -hmm. chapter of things to explore you know but but you know and and just sort of like but like that, it, it's like Dr. King says, you know, the moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends toward justice. It's like, I feel like healing is very much that way that like, we just have a tendency towards alignment and connection and organization and, you know. Yeah. Well, and, and I, it, it's interesting how a lot of people that I talk to here, and it, it's bringing up a recent podcast where I was talking about the narcissist and the people pleaser. I fall on the people pleasing side. I was mm-hmm. definitely raised by narcissists. My ex, you know, have been around them a lot. Co-parenting, not personally, but through my my husband, his co-parents is a narcissist. But how they're they're this they're opposite sides of the same coin. And she went, What? And I said, Well, you have to understand the universe is about attraction. And so if they're opposite sides of the same coin, one's attracting one, one's attracting the other. But usually it's the people pleaser that steps into that healing. And that is almost like depolarizing magnets where it's like, oh, wait, I'm choosing the healing. And that puts something energetically back to the collective. You said, even if it's small, like I can remember when I first started healing and it was like, I, I just leaned into, it was 2020. So <laughs> there, there was a lot of alone time that happening, but I would lean into what's today's victory. And some days the victory was, I got out of bed today. Oh, I'm celebrating. Okay. I, I, I'm excited. I got out of bed today. Yes. Yes. And as tiny as that feels now, I'm like, man, that was such a huge catalyst for me being able to get here. I couldn't have been here without that. Right. Yeah. There's like a snowballing that happens Mm -hmm. that like, you know, like, to me, it's about like trusting the capillary portals. Like it doesn't have to be oh, yeah. a big opening for it to like be profound. You know, it's like, that's, that's how we get air in our bodies is the capillary portals, you know, it's, and they're it's, tiny. It's, yeah. <laughs> they're very little. <laughs> right. Yep. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think like you were sort of talking about like the purpose and like choosing your parents and like, mm. I feel like, you know, I, I don't know what it's like for anybody else, but for me, like, I feel very much that like, there's certain situations that like, I'm good at describing things, you know, I'm good at like sort of mapping things out and also like leaving space for like, you know, like 
like a spider, I can eat the map and make it again if I need a, you know, a new one or like, you know, and like really like, you know, just modeling map making and encouraging people to make the maps they need. Cause like a lot of times, like the more marginalized you are, like you're not necessarily going to have the mirrors that you need to like function in a healthy way, you know? And so Mm -hmm. like being able to like map that for yourself. Um, but you know, I, I, I think very much like, a lot of my purpose is like, okay, like I'm going to experience certain things and I will tell about it, (laughs) you know, and, (laughs) you know, I'll be able to like put names to some of these systems. And I think like, you know, one of those things is like how narcissism functions in communities, families, systems. And like, cause like, I think a lot of times, like most of the people in the system are probably not narcissistic. You know, I think like, um, yeah you know, we, we have a culture that very much rewards narcissism right now, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's, you know, it's, you know, hugely genocidal, racist, ecocidal, all of these things, you know, and like, but like, what's really interesting to me is like, there's not much of that that propels those structures forward. Like a lot of what happens is like, you know, one person is enacting the harm, another person speaks up about it. And then all of the people who have experienced that kind of abuse are in collapse. And so like, you know, like, I I think that like, I think those patterns are very much alive in a lot of like, the care professions, you Hmm. know? And I think like, um, it's something that, you know, a lot of these care professions are sort of like engineered by cis white men and enacted by cis white women, you know? And like, like, white and and it's it's never strikes me as like super normative like white women who are therapists like it's it's always like people who are struggling with their own trauma and like their own experience of of oppression but like it's been very depoliticized you know and like if you're sort of like culturally tasked with you are going to enforce like compliance and like mm-hmm. universality is the basis of connection, then it's anybody who comes in who says like, oh, my, my trauma is politicized. Like, you know, like they're gonna like be punished by those systems, you know? So I think like, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's really important for those of us who are in positions of power as practitioners, you know, those of us who are doing work behind closed doors, you know, with people, biggest vulnerabilities to be able to say like you know how do I need to politicize my own pain like how do I need to contextualize this how do I like need to like reckon with any ways that I might have marginalization or might have privilege so I'm not like just riding those patterns into like just more kind of narcissistic systems where the people who are actually being abused like don't get to have a voice well, and I think that that is, is why, especially for people who have abused backgrounds or who have, because I would say if you come from an abusive background, you have PTSD. I say it like this because that diagnosis is so, again, spectrumed. Um, right. 
But I think that you have that response and traditional therapeutic um, methodologies do not work because they are designed. I talked to a gentleman yesterday who is a, he's a former police officer and PTSD from the job, you know, had to go through psychological evals to get back to the job. And as he's going through these psychological evals, he's recognizing these women and they were women in front of him are re-traumatizing him because their job is to get him back in line. That's right. all they're there for. And he's like, this isn't help. This isn't care. And he, you know, went off on a shamanic journey and a holistic journey and a spiritual journey and never went back to police work because of it. Again, for me, I was like, I went to therapy for a while, but it was all of a sudden I was like, this isn't, it served its purpose to get me to talk. That was it. It broke my silence. That was it. But yeah. it, it didn't really help. It didn't do anything other than say, oh, this works. This, <laughs> this voice actually still works because silence was part of my, the way my trauma response. But anyway, yeah, right, I just, right. I don't see that it helps. Like you said, that mapping for your clients who are neurodivergent, like I can only imagine that it's like working with someone who, oh, you get it. <laughs> yeah. And with, yeah. And work. in neurodivergence, it's like, you know, like, um, Bruce Levine has done a lot of work on like the, the, like the hoops that you have to jump through of like legitimacy to be a therapist. So like, there's, there's like, mm -hmm. it's already stacked that like, yeah. there isn't parity among like the people who are in those positions and the people who are marginalized, like that, you know, so, um, but yeah, I think when it comes to neurodivergence, like I'm not a psychotherapist. Like I know that becoming the process of becoming a psychotherapist would be self-harming for me, you know, yeah. and, you know, and, and I think like, you know, being able to unpack like the things that like, like at a certain point I realized like, oh, like any, like the study has come out, like, let me look at the, A, let me look at the methodology, see who they're looking mm -hmm. at. Like, you know, is it white college kids who are, you know, can you know, like, and like, what's their sample size? What conclusions are they drawing from what actually happened? Like, there's so much that happens in like scientific claims that like actually supports hierarchy, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but also just like, you know, like, there's neurotypal differences. Like, there's, there's ways that like, um, like one example I love to use, like there, there was a, a post from somebody who's autistic who said that they worked at a stable and like whenever, like they'd have the autistic person like walk the electric fence to see where the electricity was down because they could hear the electricity. And it's like, wouldn't you think that this person would need a whole different set of boundaries to function in the world than somebody who can't hear the electric fence, you know, it's like, you know, and, and so some of it is very like, you know, it's not like there's parts of it like that. That's just like sensory and like, it's, it's not so much value driven. It's just like a majority minority, like, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and maybe it's not articulated, but, and then there's other ways where it's just like, you're sitting funny, you're weird or like you're intense, you're weird, you know, like we're going to bully yep. you <laughs> to like, yep. you know, and, and so like, there's all these sort of, there's all these sort of layers between like more innocuous, innocuous and very painful to like very malicious, like don't challenge yep. the system, you know, and like all of those things, you know, it's, it's not like, Oh, like, 
I did inner work and now like the structural pressure is all gone. You know, it's like, (laughs) it's like, what, what work can I do to like recognize and name these things that like, if I'm going to function in a way that's connected to my body and like connected to my creativity and vitality, like what, like what things do I need to like, really structure for myself about that and you know in what ways can we talk about it so there's more community support for like the fact that some people just need to wear headphones at breakfast and that's what's going to happen or something you know (laughs) whatever the whatever the difference is or like you know like I tend to do like I think my average sessions are like about an hour and a half because it's like Mm -hmm. autistic people can't fit into an hour like there's too much like first of all off-gassing from all the yeah pressures there's too much like map making of like this is like the complexity of my inner world and then it's like okay now let's get to the thing right you know and so like that like that can't do that in 50 minutes (laughs) no not at all yeah yeah i was one thing that you've talked you said it a couple times but in my healing experience something that has come up that is just like oh this has always been there i've always felt a little on the outskirts of life because I was never a joiner. Like, and I didn't understand why I'm going to use the 4th of July as an example, because for the 4th of July, what are we expected to do? This was my experience. And this is a lot of people's experience for part or all of the day. You go to the park where there's all the people and there's all the sights and the sounds and the colors and the smells and all the sensory experience with all the people. And then it gets dark. And then there's very loud noises and very loud lights. And I never liked that part. And it always, and I can distinctly, I can hear my mother's voice in my head at four, five, six years old going, you just need to get over it. It's fun. We're having fun. And the face I'm making is exactly how she would talk to me. And as I've gotten older, I realized I never liked this. I never liked clubs. I never liked bars. I never liked parties. They were just too loud. I have auditory sensory issues that I never understood. Mm-hmm. Never. Now you give me music. I was in choir and I love to sing and you put me in music and it's a totally different experience. That's an auditory gift for me. Like it's an auditory ease. If I'm singing or listening to music, I'm enjoying, but you put me in a loud environment, you know, and my husband loves to go to concerts. And so he finally learned I have a time limit. So we, we, we look, who are the openers? Do we want to hear them? Okay. Or do we just going to the main band and can we just get there, do the main band? And then we're usually the first people to leave because exiting a concert again is a noisy auditory experience. He's like, let's go. And I finally, for the first time, found someone who is able to take me and enjoy concerts in a way that works for me because they're not expecting me to do all the things, enjoying the thing. And it. Right. And that's been huge for me in my healing experience to go, oh, I have sensory issues that I never knew existed. Right, never. right. Yeah. And it's, you know, and what you're saying about the choir, it's like, yeah, like I wouldn't trade any of my sensory sensitivities because it's like, that's where there's so much pleasure in that, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. yes, it also means that like loud concerts are very difficult for me, <laughs> but there was, an, it's interesting, you know, and, and I know there's, there's like... I feel like they haven't really mapped what's the difference between ADHD and autism, you know, like, or, you know, like, but like, where's the connections? Yeah. There was an interesting study about, um, 
it was it was specifically with loud concerts, but I think it applies to a lot of other things of like for neurotypical people, like they can go to a loud concert and enjoy it because like their hearing will actually habituate and like numb them to like an appropriate level level. Whereas like with autistic people, the opposite happens, like the 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 uncomfortable stimuli mm-hmm. amplifies. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, oh yeah, like that's why I'm not so much a concert goer, but like to me, I think that's also true for emotions. It's true for ethics. Mm-hmm. Like, I think like, mm-hmm. a lot, like one of my autistic friends, like was talking about how, like every single time they're excited about the rain, you know, and like that, you know, it's like, it never gets old. It's like every single day I'm excited about my cats. Every single day I'm excited about the mountains. Like it's not like nothing habituates in terms of like the pleasure and appreciation and also like mm-hmm. nothing habituates in terms of injustice. You know, it's like injustice mm-hmm. will hurt more, you know? And like, to me, like, you know, that has huge implications for trauma work of like, you know, yep. again, like what are the, what's the container that we need for ourselves to be in good yeah. relationship with that, you know, yeah. given how much trauma is in the world these days, you know? Yeah. And like, are we, you know, like, I think it can be very helpful. Like, I think what, you know, I think it's a very common trauma response to kind of like pull up our roots and kind of retract, you know, like do the hermit crab mm-hmm. thing. Very much. You know, and, and to me, it's another, approach when like we're feeling like the intrusion and disconnection of like how deeply can we root to like get to where we can actually drink you know and like that in itself carries plenty of challenge like you know because like in order to root that deeply we need to witness and be witnessed and we need to feel and you know yeah all those things that we're not encouraged to do you know maybe we're punished for Yes. And I think for, for me, while I, again, I, I kind of always look at the way that my, my personal freedom from my last marriage could not have happened at any, in any different time frame because 2020 was vital, absolutely vital because I absolutely had, I needed permission to retract from the world. And if 2020 hadn't existed, I don't think I would have given myself permission. Like I wouldn't have said it is okay to spend the next 17 months of your life alone. And the universe, the time, the existence gave that to me. And I was sharing that with someone the other day and they were like, oh my gosh, that must've been so hard to be alone. And I'm like, no, (laughs) like no, because I had been again with the whole silence and the quiet. And I would send my son to my parents' house at the time I was still connected with my family. And that was a gift at the time because he couldn't go be with his father. That was never going to happen. I was never going to allow that. So he had places for weeks on end that he could go and I could just start feeling. Yeah. Just, yeah. I, I'd never, I, I, all those feelings, like you said, you, this whole shrinking for an entire lifetime, but especially at the end of that marriage that he shrunk and shrunk and shrunk and shrunk. And it had to, it had to explode. It had to go the whole opposite direction. And I got permission to do that. Then <laughs> mm-hmm. I met, met new environments. And that, that's what I was getting at is that it's the environment that, becomes that container for how can I experience new things because change doesn't happen without new, but for, for neurodivergent people and, and sensory sensitivities, it's like, that can be super scary. So how do we create that safety and that healing for ourselves? Right. 
Yeah. And, um, you know, and I'm just aware of how much like the pandemic exacerbated inequality of like, you know, like all the people who were shut in with their abuser or like, oh, you know, all the people I can't who even imagine frontline oh. workers and, you know, like all of these different yeah. things, and, you know, and, you know, I happened to be, you know, by the end of 2020, I was doing my practice full time. And, mm. you know, I'd always done it sort of like half time with other things. And sure. like, I knew I knew, but like pandemic or not, like, that was the point where I was gonna like, you know, yeah. make the leap. But like, it happened that like, you know, I was doing a caregiving job and the person passed. And, you know, at, at that point, it was just like, okay, Okay. Gotta do this. This thing. is what we're gonna like, do. Yes. Yeah, and you know, but also like you know, one of the things I really like, I'm a very social person, but like I also, one of the things that surfaced for me in the pandemic was like, like I'm also not like afraid of being a weirdo. Like I'm I'm far enough into that where it's just like I'm not like, <laughs> this is just what's for dinner, yep. folks. Like I, you know, yep. Like, yep. I may be punished for this, but like. You know, like, I don't, I don't have the capacity to like, not be a weirdo, you know, like that's like, there's certain, there's certain kinds of masking that are not available for me. Like, even, even though like, you know, like there's also ways that I have a lot of privilege with that in terms of like, oh, you can speak. That must mean you're a human and like, you know, like all that stuff. Right. Um, But, uh, you know, really like I didn't realize to what degree I had still felt obligated to like the mm. goalposts of realness in society, you know, cause mm-hmm. it's like a lot of, a lot of the things that are most core to my identity, it's like, you know, I come out and people are like, no, you're not, you know, <laughs> like, no, 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 you're not a witch. No, you're not autistic. No, you're not like trans. No, you're not like whatever it is. Yep. Like, no, no, you haven't experienced like this particular kind of extremity that we'd rather pretend doesn't exist, you know? Yep. Um, but yeah, just sort of like, you know, having that space for like, just really intentional relationship. You know, I mean, yeah. I love going to the grocery store and seeing who's there and talking with somebody about split sure. peas or like whatever happens, you know, <laughs> but, it, yep. but just like having that space to like, really like cultivate, like, you know, the kind of spiritual practice that I wanted to, and like really being able to like, sort of be in that yeah. space with like, you know, really the, the energies that create us and sustain us. And, you know, like, I believe the only energies we can really draw on to heal the social problems we have right now, you know, yeah. like, yeah. and that's, That's a very beautiful, beautiful thought. And I think that that is really, you know, as we come to the end of our time together, a really good point is that as we heal ourselves, we give, we give that healing back to the universe. Um, so at the end of every episode, I ask, because a lot of my guests want to connect with the audience and vice versa. So if the audience who's watching and listening really would love to connect with you, learn more about what you do or work with you, what's a great way for people to get connected with you right now? Yeah, so my website is mariahjwilliams.com, M-O-R-I-A-H-J-Williams.com. Um, I think I also gave you a link for my upcoming class series. I do a lot of like free classes. Like there's a lot of stuff that like I just want to be out there. And I feel like it's one of the ways yeah. that like, you know, 
we can't do everything in a class, but like at least we can do a lot in a class. You know, I've got a series yeah. coming up starting October 15th on uh, equity and healing explorations. And it's, it's a whole, okay. it's a whole range of stuff. There's um, we start out with like doing emotional freedom technique for inflammation, which I think most survivors deal with in some way or another. And hundred percent. Yep. There's other stuff about like trans issues and community and autism and like making homeopathics for trees and, <laughs> But anyway, so that you can find that on my website and um, I think you're putting it in the show Love notes it. too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yep. All the links to all that is down in the show notes for the audience yeah. watching. And um, I thank you so much for joining me today, Mariah. Thanks, and Megan. Sharing the energy <laughs> and the space with me. Um, it's It's been a really great conversation. This just whistled by. I really, really it does. Just adore your show. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. To the audience who joined us today, thank you. And as always, I'm wishing you peace, love, and flow. And may your flow be ever rising. Until next time, friends. Okay. Is that stop now? It says it's still recording. It says stopping. Hang on. Okay. I don't know why it's not. Hmm. Well, it says stopping. I don't know why it's not doing it. Hang on. Oh, it's still uploading me. Maybe that's what's happening. I think that that's what it is, is that it's still uploading. But okay. we're going to give yeah. it a minute because I clicked stop. But my dog, the energy hmm. here has been weird today. My dogs are being all weird. Um, I, I feel yeah. like everybody I know has just had a really weird, like, about two weeks. Like It's been kind of a strange. Yeah, if we've had a lot of, a lot of stuff going on in our personal house. and But we have three, you know. That that me, my son, and my husband are all very neurodivergent in our own ways, and so lots of stuff always happening. Right. Um. Yeah. I, let's see. I, it says that it's still recording. So if any of this is still recording, I'll sure, cut sure. it out at the end. I just um, edit. I don't know why I've actually never had this happen. Um. So one of the things I'll say is if we stop, and for whatever reason it it'll pop up on your screen, or you'll get an email that says your recording needs to be downloaded again. All you have to do is there's a link that you're going to click in the email okay. and it, it'll automatically do it. There's not anything that you have to do. Um, I've literally never had this happen, so I don't know. It's, you know, we're just going to blame it on the universe. <laughs> but what I'm going to tell you next is your release date. So your personal release date is going to be. <laughs> Hold on. I'm a week off. Oh, yeah, that's November. Okay. Tuesday, November 7th. Hey, you get to come out on election day. What a fantastic oh day to come out. <laughs>